This is the second conversation in a three-part series of discussions about the most common reasons why people are visiting Helderberg Hospital. This forms part of a research project done by Valdo and Ian as part of their primary healthcare rotation during their third-year medical studies at Stellenbosch University. Ian, if I'm not mistaken, are you going to tell us a bit more about managing situations where severe bleeding is involved? Yes, Vanessa, uh, thank you. So severe bleeding is a killer. And when I speak about severe bleeding, I do not refer to minor cuts or scrapes. In this context, we are referring to bleeding that has the potential to lead to shock, more specifically hemorrhagic shock. What exactly do you mean when you say hemorrhagic shock? Okay, so I think that's a good point to start off with. Let's discuss what exactly hemorrhagic shock is and why I'm saying it's a killer. The word hemorrhage comes from the Latin word hemorrhagia, Mm -hmm. meaning violent bleeding. And shock in medicine refers to inadequate oxygen delivery at cellular level. In simple terms, shock happens when oxygen is not delivered to the tissues in the body that depends on it for functioning and staying alive. Now, we can go into a bit more depth regarding shock because there are different types. Hypovolemic shock is a broader term referring to shock that is caused by excessive loss of body fluids. And with hemorrhagic shock, that fluid is specifically blood loss through means of bleeding. A large amount of fluid loss or blood in this context leads to low blood pressure, subsequently leading to insufficient transport of oxygen to the organs of the body. If the cause of shock is not treated or managed, the outcome is death, showing us the importance of being able to manage severe bleeding. Now that we have a better idea of what exactly shock is, how can I know if a person is in shock? That's a very good and important question, and we'll get to that now. But before we talk about the bread and butter signs indicating shock, it is important to take note of two categories of bleeding you get, internal bleeding and external bleeding. Internal bleeding is a type of bleeding that occurs within the body and is not easily visible. For example, one can bleed internally into the chest cavity after trauma without any blood being visible. This is a dangerous type of bleeding and requires urgent medical attention. The other type of bleeding is external bleeding, which will be the focal point of this discussion because first aid intervention is extremely valuable with this type of bleeding. Take note that both these types of bleeding can cause shock, thus it is important to know the signs and symptoms of shock. So let's get going with those. The first one is rather obvious. Large amount of blood next to the patient or large amount of bleeding from the wound. The type of bleeding from the wound site is also helpful to, to, de- to determine severity. If the bleeding is pulsatile, meaning the blood from the wound essentially gets pumped out with the rhythm of the heartbeat, then the source of the bleeding is an artery. This is a dangerous type of bleeding because blood loss is more rapid than the steady flow of bleeding you observe with bleeding from veins. Next, patients will have an increased increased heart rate. This is called tachycardia. Mm. The reason for the increased heart rate is a response by your body in an attempt to maintain adequate blood pressure and tissue perfusion. The patient can complain of weakness and being tired. The patient will have a low blood pressure. Another important sign of shock is a cold and clammy skin. A patient in shock will experience confusion or a sensation of wooziness. Quick, shallow breathing can also be observed. Now that we have an idea about the importance of dealing with severe bleeding as quickly as possible, tell us how you would approach severe bleeding practically. Okay, so I think the best way to do this is to paint ourselves a scenario. Let's say you find yourself on a hike where one of your fellow hikers fall and cuts 
or let's even say rips open their leg on a sharp branch. In front of you, you see a wound of say about 7 centimeters oozing out, out blood at an alarming rate. Let's for this scenario assume the patient is not in shock as this just happened and the patient also has no other injuries. Now I apologize for the graphic depiction, but the reality is this is a very stressful situation for almost everyone involved and being as calm and concise as possible is the best thing you can do. Now I'm not going to go into depth regarding the logistical considerations of the situation such as evacuating the, evacuating the patient etc. I want to talk specifically about how to manage that wound in front of you while you are awaiting professional medical help to arrive. Firstly, it is important to protect yourself from injury as well. Ask yourself whether it's safe to go and assist the patient. Be sure to call for medical professionals or ask someone else to call. If at all possible, wash your hands and put on medical examination gloves to protect yourself and the patient from possible infection. If not available, one can maybe even use a plastic bag to protect your hands. Mm. Have the patient lie flat and cover him or her to prevent loss of body heat in the, if the environment is cold. If possible, try to elevate the wound above the level of the heart. You can remove dirt and debris from the wound, but leave large or deeply embedded objects in place. Use a clean cloth or bandage to apply direct pressure on the wound until it stops bleeding. With large wounds, you might not be able to completely stop the bleeding, but it is still crucial to maintain the pressure to minimize blood loss. If necessary, if you are having difficulty stopping the bleeding, you can apply some pressure on the main arteries delivering blood to that wound. This is called indirect pressure. Once you've successfully stopped the bleeding, immobilize the injured body part and leave bandages in place until the person receives medical attention. As you can see, first aid management of bleeding is very simple, although not always easy. Your main goal is to stop that bleeding. Now you mentioned calling for help. Who would people call? Yes, an often overlooked gap for most people is memorizing the necessary emergency numbers. Mm in the area for different types of emergencies. Yes, you can always call 10111 or 10177 for medical emergencies in South Africa, and they can then contact services if needed. So definitely memorize those. But it's also advised to have the numbers of specific service, services saved on your phone as well. For example, mountain or sea rescue services, the local fire brigade, the poison information center, ambulance services in your area, etc. Ian, this has been a very informative and detailed explanation on how to manage a situation where severe bleeding is involved. Thank you very much to you and Valdo for sharing this information. I look forward to our final conversation that will deal with sprains and dislocations.